Hey, it's good to be back with you. Uh, thank you for tuning in and watching with us. And we pray we're an inspiration to you and a challenge today as well. Uh, Psalm 36.9 is where we're going to begin with today. Uh, today we're celebrating and remembering um, and designating this Sunday as a Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, we uh, we are, are going to give you a picture of how God produces life, sustains life, values life, sees it as sacred, and give you a picture of every bit of that. Um, also, in this, the rest of this month, we're going to be honoring a ministry that's local here with us in Frankfurt, and that is Avenues for Women. Uh, it is a pregnancy center, and we uh, walk beside them as best we can, as do a lot of churches. And we're going to be honoring them, showing you ways that you can give and bless them in the next three weeks. Um, so let me read Psalm 36, 9, then let's have a word of prayer together. Uh, the psalmist wrote, David wrote, says, For with you is life's fountain. In your light, we will see light. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to someone, Lord, uh, and they're watching and listening, uh, even in person when it comes to our services in person. Uh, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And you will remind me that of everybody watching and listening today, I'm the one under a greater judgment because I'm a teacher of your word. And Lord, I accept my place in rightly dividing it. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. I want to begin by uh, with uh, Genesis 2-7. And we're going to be dealing with that God is the giver of life. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became uh, a living being. He becomes the giver of life. Um, there, I'm, I'm going to begin this with a, a story, hopefully that'll make you laugh or smile. And uh, if you're a parent and you are empty nesting, this is really directed to you. Um, uh, it, the question was to a, a set of parents, when does life begin? And the parents responded, when the kids leave the house. <laughs> so uh, uh, our son is soon to be 36, our daughter is 30. In uh, empty nesting, yes, there was a, a time where we're like, man, we miss our kids and we still say that today. But uh, man, what a, even a time uh, of not taxiing them around. But again, one day we'll miss that. Uh, in the womb, we realize that he is the giver of life. I gave you the formation of man in Genesis 2, 7. Uh, and sometimes we handle and focus on that he breathes in the breath of life. But I want to I notice the word formed in verse 7. And the word form means that there is the potter and the clay, that the potter is shaping the clay. I want you to be able to see that. We see that again in Jeremiah 1.5. And Jeremiah the prophet is... Uh, Literally, the Lord is taking him back to a womb experience and his calling that God had for him in verses 1-5. But I, today I want to focus on the word formed because it has the same picture of the potter shaping the clay. 
Here's what he says in Jeremiah 1.5. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And again, this verse has to do with the call of Jeremiah. But it also has to do with the word formed is how I want to use it today. In that again, there is the potter and the clay relationship. Psalm 139 is a favorite chapter, especially this section, verses 13 through 16, in ministry and counseling. Uh, it becomes a great chapter to use because of uh, how God has made you. It says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. Verse 15, my bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, the secret means the womb. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them even began. Uh, here in verse 13, it says that you uh, created me in my inward parts. You knitted me together. It actually is a word that means embroidery, that you have intentionally, when you embroider something, you're intentionally putting that and weaving that together. So I wanted you to see in the giver of life, even in the womb, that the words formed and knitted together, but the words formed uh, in uh, Genesis 2-7, and then in Jeremiah 1-5, have the potter shaping the clay, and then in 139, has him intentionally embroidering your life together, piecing your life together. Uh, it's something I really wanted you to be able to see. We uh, certainly partner with people, uh, especially Avenues for Women, and again, we're just one and there, there are greater partners in their life than we are. But we want to partner with them and walk beside them as they give ministry uh, to those who are uh, thinking about their pregnancy, thinking through their pregnancy, and then thinking about life. What I want you to see here is that God is the giver of life. I want to take you to Colossians 1.17 to let you know that it is God who holds life together. He holds everything together. Uh, in verse 17 of Colossians 1, he said, He is before all things, and by him all things are being held together. I uh, was reading a, a section of commentary by a guy named Richard Mellick, and uh, he, he said this, and I want to share it with you because I, I, it was too good to, to leave alone. He said, the creator has never forgotten his creation. And I really, really did like that, that he hasn't just put everything into existence just to leave it. Uh, he, he is holding all things together. As I speak uh, now, and of course anybody can see this in days ahead in, uh, in a different timeline or a time frame, uh, but things seem really chaotic. They seem really chaotic. And I just want to remind you today, as we talk about the sanctity of life, that he hasn't forgotten about his creation and that he is still holding all things together. Uh, and you're going, well, geez, 
look how chaotic it is. Let me let me try to give you a, an idea or just try to think and imagine how how more chaotic would it be without him holding everything together. So as we handle the sanctity of life Sunday today, know that he is the giver of life like the potter shapes the clay, like like a like a somebody who's doing uh, seamstress work or symmetry work that he is putting and knitting and embroidering all things together and that he is holding all things together. A third point I want to give you today is that life is sacred. Life is valuable to the Lord. Uh, I actually have known this verse, but uh, it was a few years ago that my son reminded me of this verse. And that is Ezekiel, uh, and it is 3311. The Lord says, tell them as I live, declares the Lord, the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent, repent of your evil ways. Why will you die, house of Israel? Uh, I know there are times where there can be celebration because uh, wicked, seemingly wicked or evil dies. Uh, I just want to remind you of the character of our Lord. He doesn't take, he doesn't celebrate it like maybe we can celebrate it. He doesn't do that at all. Uh, in fact, I, I want to take you to, to uh, Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew 25, uh, verse 14, I am, uh, I'm not uh, going to be putting this up on the screen, but it's just a little bit of a challenge for you. Um, when the Lord is talking about uh, people going away from Him, departing from Him, uh, this is a passage where there's a separation between the sheep and the goats. And uh, they, uh, those that don't know Him go to hell. I want to tell you in verse... I said verse 14, I'm sorry, it's verse 41, uh, Matthew 25, 41. And I remember coming up on this passage when I was a young man and uh, how it really impressed me that hell, he said, hell was created for Satan and his demons. It really wasn't created for us. It says it was created for Satan and his demons. But for those who have rejected the Lord, this is where they will end up. And in this, in this chapter, Matthew 25, he, uh, he talks about how uh, people who have served him have fed the hungry, given drink to the thirsty, welcomed in the stranger, clothed the naked. And then the ones that are separated, those who are in prison have been visited. And he said, if you do this to these, then you have done it to me, he says. And then he goes on to bring judgment upon those who have not done these things, who have not clothed the naked, who have not fed the hungry, who have not given drink to the thirsty, who have not welcomed the stranger, who have not visited the sick, who have not visited those who are in, pr in prison. And uh, I really believe, since we're under life is sacred and valuable, I really believe the Lord is teaching us that people are valuable. People are valuable. And we need to see that. That even hell was not created for people. But it is where the unbeliever travels because they have rejected the Son of the living God in Christ Himself. 
So I, I want you to be able to see that his teaching there, I believe, is to show you that people have value. So quickly, our sin can be that we rank and file people. We can talk about caste systems in other countries that you're born into and you can't get out of, meaning uh, caste systems of poverty and slavery. And if we're not careful, our sin will be that we cast people in different areas. And we have to be able to watch this because life that he gives is valuable and sacred to him. Let me go to John 3.16 and just, just hit that point. You know this verse, but let me, let's just walk through it again together as a beautiful reminder of his love for us. It says, for God loved the world he loves the world. Insert your name there. He loves you in this way. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, will you see this next phrase? Will not perish. That's, that's how valuable and sacred life is to our God. He doesn't want us to perish, but he wants us to have everlasting life. And we can fuss and whine and complain and say, God didn't do this and God didn't do this. Let me tell you what God did. God gave you a way to spend a life with him on this earth and a life with him in eternity. And you better take that. You had absolutely better take it. Listen, my family name does not carry any weight into heaven. Only connecting with the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Will I be able to get the promises of God? And I hope you're able to be able to see that. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Let me build on that. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, uh, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone, all to come to repentance. Uh, we have to get the picture of the value and uh, and the that life is sacred and valuable to the Lord Himself. Um, I, I appreciate in my reading, and I go back to Ezekiel thirty three eleven. Uh, Tell them as I live the declaration of the Lord God. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather the wicked should turn from his way and live, repent. Uh, the, the pleasure that God takes in life is when you turn to Him. So the pleasure is not in the death of the wicked. The pleasure to God is in the turning of the wicked, is in the one that is able to be able to turn. I really believe God wants all of us to see the value of life in the way that He sees it. I know that uh, in our nation, and I can only speak for where I live in Kentucky, and, and, then, and then read about or see or hear in other parts of our nation, that there's a lot of hate uh, that's going on. And I learned this as a young preacher, that in Scripture, the only thing he gave me permission to hate was evil. It says, hate that which is evil, cling to that which is good. He only gave me permission to hate that which is evil. I don't like evil. I don't, I don't like wickedness. I don't like it because of why people do it and the people that it hurts. I don't really like anybody to suffer. I've never liked anybody to suffer. But the evidence of hate is nothing more than the work of the enemy. That's all I can tell you.
The fruit of the Spirit, one of them is love. And the opposite of that is what the enemy wants us to do and to hate. And uh, listen to me. I want to give you a challenge here. When it comes to we're dealing with sanctity of life, you, you're probably thinking, I'm just going to talk about life beginning in the womb and we're pro-life, which I am. And uh, not only that, that I'm going to be preaching against abortion. Uh, the, the point is, I, I want you to see that God's the giver of life, the sustainer of life, and that in Him life is sacred and life is valuable. I want you to know that I've done a lot of ministry to women who have aborted children. I want you to know that. I have spent a great deal of my life investing in them, knowing that they are loved by God and they can be forgiven by God and they are redeemable. And I've spent a great deal of my ministry, I don't want to say in secret because there's other people who were there involved in that ministry as well, but to, to let women come to wholeness uh, and, and, and turning letting the Lord love them and letting the Lord forgive them and letting them live redeemed lives. I spent a lot of my ministry doing that. I don't announce it from the stage. I'm not going to announce it to you even more than what I'm already doing it. But it's also teaching me and you to value life and to see it as sacred in the way that God sees it. So here's my challenge to you. I want you to realize there are difficult people and you've got to even see difficult people as people of value. You can't just see difficult people and write them off. And I'll show you this in just a moment. But you've got to see them that God values their life. You know, the flesh and bone, other people are not our enemy. Scripture tells us that. And Scripture shapes the way that I live, preach, and think, and act. Uh, so... The, the, we value the lives of others, even, even if we have different standards, we still love them. Listen to this statement I'm about ready to make to you. Valuing other people doesn't mean there is an anything-goes gospel or an anything-goes life. Uh, Paul, Peter even writes, loving people and, and turning them back to the Lord just covers a multitude of sins and that we are blessed in being able to do that. When I surrendered to ministry uh, in December of 1985, long time ago, when I did this, I was leaving a life in corporate America, something that I thought would bless my family uh, and had a great future there, a promising future there. But nonetheless, I left it. And I was at a, a bathroom sink in our house on Plainview Drive in Campbellsville, Kentucky, the very first house we'd ever bought. I, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of the house number, but I'm sure I'll, I'll get it wrong, so I'll just leave it, I'll just leave it at that. But I know it was Plainview Drive. And I had just been to a hospital witnessing to a man who had tried to take his life. And the reason I was at the hospital was because my dad was really sick and in intensive care, and I spent the night with him. I came home, and I realized God's call on my life, and I went to this blue sink. Now, it's uh, that North Carolina bl blue. You know, it's the it's uh, Logan's got a mask on behind the camera. It's that kind of blue, and uh, so I, I don't know why I distinctly remember that, but I do. And I wept and wept till my eyes were swollen together. But I, I made this vow to the Lord. 
I made this. This, this is going to sound sappy, probably is sappy, but I'm going to tell you. I made the vow to him that as a minister of the gospel, that I desired to really just do two things. The first thing is I wanted people to know that he loves them, that God loves them. And secondly, I want them to know that I love them too. No matter how long I'm with them, I just want them to know that he loves them and that I love them. That is the vow that I made to my Lord in surrendering the ministry. Do you not know that the golden rule is not just about you treating other people the way you want to be treated, that it's about you valuing other people? Do you not know that one of the great commandments of love the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself, is not a call to just love, but it is a call for you to value the life of another person? Uh, in uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 5, I want to read this to you. Uh, I may stop and point out something in, in some of these verses. It says, uh, uh, Paul says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, said, uh, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, meaning the same way that Jesus thinks, having the mind of Christ, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one, on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Do you see the value? Do you see the value? Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Make your own mind or your own attitude that of Jesus Christ. We, we listen as preachers of the gospel and those who disciple other people. We want to think like him. We want to act like him. We want to be able to be like him. So I just want you to know that as you value other people, uh, because I, I know there's going to get feedback and pushback when I say this, uh, that uh, it doesn't mean that they can live in any way they want to life. And they can live that, but it does, just because you're loving them and ministering to them doesn't mean you agree with it. But what you do agree with is that you value their life just like God values yours. I know you thought today on Sanctity of Life that it was going to be one component of the value of life. He is the giver of life. He sustains life. Life to God is sacred, and it is highly, highly valued because he gives it to you. I want to remind you uh, of everything I've been saying today. I want to remind you about the story behind the song, Amazing Grace. Not going to give you all of it, just going to hit the high points. Uh, I know you can search it and just search story uh, of uh, the song, Amazing Grace. There's even a YouTube video that's historically put together. It's about 15 minutes long. It's, it's done very, very well. Uh, you may want to see that. But John Newton wrote that song, and he wrote it when he was a preacher about his past life uh, and his life of being away from the Lord. And uh, he, he did it uh, in such a way because he was reading the Old Testament about how David was saying, Lord, wh why did you even spend time with me? Why, why did you even bring me to this place? Meaning, 
I sh my life should not have any value to you whatsoever. It was so against you. So uh, John Newton, as you know, was a captain of a slave ship. He really wasn't a slave owner as much as he was an enslaver, meaning he uh, people captured slaves. He transported them uh, by ship to those who were going to own them into slavery. Um, but the story goes that uh, it was March the 21st, I can't remember the year, but he was at, at sea on a slave ship and uh, he a storm came and it was so great that it was wiping some of his clue, crew off the deck uh, into the sea, never to be seen again. He was so afraid and his mother is a Christian and he knew that, she tried her best to raise him in that way, but he, he didn't follow in her ways. But he was so frightened that there at the wheel of that ship, he cried out and said, Lord, have mercy on my life. He says it was at that time that the Lord saved him. And then he, he was taking steps of obedience and growing in the Lord from there, eventually became a pastor, not automatically because some people wouldn't ordain him. Uh, he had to go through a lot of rejection, but he was finally ordained as a pastor going on to lead in uh, the abolishment of slavery, to work against it uh, once he was, uh, as you know, the captain of a slave ship. And uh, later on in his ministry, as he came upon this verse of David saying, why would you value me? He wrote the song, Amazing Grace. If we're not careful, and just really settle and be still for a moment and be honest with ourselves, we may have written John Newton off a long time ago. But God loved John Newton, God saved John Newton, and God redeemed John Newton, called him even into ministry, and look what he became. Uh, I, I know the call today, really, I want you to see that God uh, forms life in the womb. I want you to see that, that he breathes into us life, that he sustains life, that he sees it as valuable and sacred, I want you to be able to see every bit of that. But I want you to know, very simply, this is just the way I preach and the way I live. I really think in this life, there comes a time where you and I need to surrender the life that he gave us back to the one who gave it to us. And we surrender that by putting faith and trust in and through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, you're gonna walk out of here today and say, well, Pastor Jeff has challenged me through the Word to value other people. That's true, absolutely true. But I also want you to know, you, you who are listening to me today, are highly valued by God, and your life is sacred. And I plead with you, I plead with you, surrender your life to the one who gave you life to begin with, and that is the Lord Himself. God bless you. Uh, Realize how precious you are and also the lives of other people and remember what we say to each other. I love you and grace and peace.